We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening, IB Nation, and welcome to another edition of A Pond Further, Redi- uh, Further Review. And as uh, as Cub great Ernie Banks said, let's play two. So that's what I'm doing tonight. Let's play two. Uh, we got two shows this evening. Super fired up about it. It's one of my favorite shows of the week. Upon Further Review, Brian and I have been uh, kind of going back and forth about what we're going to talk about tonight and and what we saw in the film and all that. And so we're excited to uh, to talk about it. No mailbag today. We're just going to do our upon further review. We're going to talk about the game that was, which is which is what this show is all about. It's after we go back and we watch the film and uh, get excited about it, not excited about it. Is it the, what we thought? Is it not what we thought? You know, those kinds of things. And then we're going to talk a little bit looking forward about, okay, it's been two games. What are we still questioning? Like what is still out there that, needs to be answered for Notre Dame going into not arguably toughest game of the season up to this point uh, with NC state going on the road, power five comp, you know, power five opponent, all of those different things. So, you know, what question marks are still out there? That's what we got to talk about. So lots of fun tonight. Looking forward to it, Brian. And I just have to say, I, I'm sorry we didn't get to do a show last night. But I think we all enjoyed ourselves last night, nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> Facts. I just had to say that. And uh, yeah, I had some fun <laughs> last night. I told myself I was going to be the bigger man. And then nope. I just was like, no, I can't. Nope. I can't. Especially when I saw some people that got mad at me in the first place because I said, what's his face that used to coach Notre Dame inherited a dumpster fire? And they got that's what they originally got mad about. And then to see them like defend what happened again, this we're talking about LSU's lost three of their last four games, slowest margin of victories, 15 to a five and 17. And to hear them say, well, you know, you inherited a dumpster fire. I just, I just dropped it and I walked out. (laughs) Victory. Using your words against you. Victory. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. What do you mean? It's a dumpster fire. uh, What do you mean? But we're going to focus obviously on Notre Dame and, and Tennessee State events. And, yeah, this breakdown was – this one was interesting because this was one of those games where a lot of the success in the game on Saturday was just Notre Dame has really good players and Tennessee State does not. 
And it, I, I, I don't believe in the whole uh, option hangover thing as a rule, but I, it can happen. I think we saw a little bit of that on Saturday. So a lot of things that went into it, but at the end of the day, they did what they needed to do. And there are some things that came out of this game that have you excited, some things that got to get cleaned up, which is where just about everybody in college football is after one week. Outside of like a couple teams that just destroyed, you know, really bad teams, I would imagine almost everybody in college football saying, hey, you know, I like where we're at, but there's things we got to get better on as the schedule ramps up. So we'll kind of do that as a part two of the show tonight is just talk a little bit for about 10 or 15 minutes about just some of the questions that we still have or not so much questions, but this is what we've seen. This is what needs to get better, get cleaned up and those type of things as we move into the, the, the tough stretch, because yeah, there's central Michigan in two weeks, but when you got the next, was it, you've got six weeks of games and five of those games are at NC state home against Ohio state at Duke at Louisville home against USC. I mean, that's a, that's a tough, that's a yeah. tough stretch. All with no buy. Yeah. I mean, eight yeah. weeks without a buy. I mean, that's right. You know, I don't want to say that it's a thing, but it it's kind of a thing. Like eight weeks without a buy in major college football. That's that's now, serious. What's the good news? Three of your first four games should be games where your starters are limited. For sure. Wise. For sure. And that and this was obviously one of those games. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Football season is upon us, which means my schedule is ramping up even more than normal. And it makes it a lot harder to spend as much time cooking and preparing meals as I want and need. And eating healthy can be especially challenging. That's why I'm looking forward to getting ramped up with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, which can help me fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to my door. With Factor, you can skip the extra trip to the grocery store and save a lot of time on food prep, but you don't have to miss out on the flavor. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready to go in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, and then we can get back to work. And you can choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals. You can level up and get Gourmet Plus options and treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. There are also lunch-to-go options and Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. And you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons including breakfast items like the delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and more. You can also try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. 
This September, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. And they have a great deal for Irish Breakdown listeners. Head to factor.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's code irish50 at factormeals.com forward slash irish50 to get 50% off. Try it and enjoy. So let's dive into events, and I want to start off with the Notre Dame offense. When you look at the offense, it was kind of fun to watch it on a replay because you just it's fun to watch Notre Dame where you're just like, wow, their offensive players are really talented. And when we talked in the postgame show <laughs> right. just about how good the running backs are and how talented they are, and we saw that on Saturday night, we don't need to rehash that. But when you when you talk about diving into the film and the upon further review, there's a lot of things we learned about the run game coming out of the game. And just big picture-wise, obviously, I liked what we saw from a diversity standpoint. I do want to see a more diverse run game. We saw Notre Dame ran inside zone. We saw them run duo. We saw them run counter. We saw them run that counter heavy, which basically is just an extra guy. You know, you, you, you bring around three guys instead of the two to get an extra hat play side against a team that's really blitzing heavy off the off that side, which Tennessee State was, just like Navy was. We saw them run basically three versions of the same play. I give them all different names. We saw Buck Sweep, which is a pin and pull gap concept. We saw G Scheme, which is a pin and pull gap concept. And we saw them run, uh, I call G toss, which is essentially, they're all essentially the same play. They're pen and pull gap schemes. The difference is, is they to the handoff differently. Buck sweep is a shotgun, you know, lateral play. Uh, G toss is the same play, but you just toss it to the running back out of either pistol or under center. And then the G scheme is more of a, the, they ran out of pistol, more of a downhill sort of stretch type of look off of the G scheme. So we saw that as well in this game. So we, saw RPOs we saw some play action pass we saw Notre Dame mix things up from a a um, launch point standpoint a little bit more than maybe we we've seen in the past now two games in obviously when you run that much when you have that much run game in for a particular week you're gonna and, and it's still early in the season you're gonna see some some sloppiness and we saw that on Saturday when they when they blocked it well it was really good but Notre Dame gave up six minuses, and I'm, I'm just I'm talking about the first team offensive line. Right, gave right. Up six minuses on Saturday in the run game, and that's too much. That's that's too many negatives, and so that's got to get cleaned up. And it was it was always like one one guy, two guys, just not doing what they needed to do. And, and something that made me feel a little bit better after watching the run game, Vince. Obviously, I didn't like that. Too many misassignments. Guys not moving their feet. Guys not finishing well enough at times. Taking some false step, like some steps in directions that I was like sloppy. Like for example, yeah. the inside zone. So Notre Dame runs inside zone really three ways essentially. One is, well, actually it's four ways. One is to have a tight end backside, and you just run the zone and you just you know read it. And you can do RPOs, but just when you talk about the run scheme, the other way is inside zone, but it's called split zone. It's basically inside zone, but instead of having a tight end backside, you you bring him from the front side, and then he works backside. We saw some of that on Saturday. We saw them doing it a little bit, Vince, where that guy was coming backside and working up, and they were kind of sitting on the backside. That's sort of the same thing. There is also a, sort of a lock zone where you're actually running inside zone to an open side or like away from the open side, which you normally don't do. You'll do that with like read zone. Um, uh, where you'll actually block down and not block that guy, but you also have a side where you kind of, it's called like a lock. 
and then the backside end will actually block out and block the end. And instead, and then the quarterback has to read the linebacker for his, you know, give, you know, for, for what he's going to do. Well, they ran that on Saturday and Blake Fisher blocked it wrong. He stepped down inside like he maybe he thought he had somebody coming backside to help. He didn't. And then that obviously blew the play up. You had a minus. They ran the same play about three or four plays later to Blake Fisher's side, which meant Joe Walt was backside, and you saw him block it properly. He just, you know, steps out and seals off. He's he's got to protect the edge. So just saw mistakes like that throughout the game where just somebody just not executing, maybe not just being yeah. locked in. They did push Tennessee State around, but another thing too, Vince, is Tennessee State's game plan was very clear. They were gonna they were trying to stop two things. They they, you know what I think their game plan was built on had nothing to do with what they saw against Navy. Nothing. Their game plan was built on this. They watched Notre Dame from last year and they watched Sam Hartman from last year. And their game plan was very clearly twofold. Put numbers in the box against the run game and protect the deep ball at all costs. And we'll get to that here a little bit later from the, the pass game standpoint. But from a run game standpoint, there was just a couple times, Vince, where they just didn't have anybody open. I mean, they didn't have him block a certain guy. It's just that too many hats means, in the box, yeah. And Notre Dame didn't run a ton of RPO in this game in, in some of those instances, and I, I'd like to see that change. And there's some looks that Notre Dame is establishing from a little bit of a tendency standpoint, Vince, where it's kind of like, you know, you guys are, are you're, you know, it's fine for the first couple games. But moving forward, you're going to need to clean that up a little bit because teams are going to figure out when you're in this 12-personnel look. You've got a one RPO route, and then the rest is just run blocking. And Tennessee State had some answers for that on Saturday and, and were able to bring numbers. So those were things that, Vince, that we we saw that participated to the the lack of success in the run game from a from a, a grading the execution standpoint. Now the numbers looked fine, but I would argue that they should have been better when you look at the quality of the competition. Notre Dame should have ran for more yards against Tennessee State. And they 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 were able to get away with just some blown coverages by Tennessee State and, and the checkdowns and then Notre Dame's players just being way better than their players. It was not a crisp game. I did think the effort was better on the rewatch than I thought on Saturday. At no time that I think any – like there was no time I, – I thought Blake Fisher did not play good game events at all. I thought Rocco was very inconsistent. I thought Pat Coogan struggled in the run game. But it was never a moment where I – because I thought I was going to see this. There was never a moment where I was like – that dude's just going through the motions. That they were at least given effort. You just got to clean up a lot of stuff. That was kind of my main takeaways from from breaking the run game down on the on the rewatch. Yeah, effort was not a problem. And the other thing that was painfully obvious, not painfully, it was gloriously obvious, was that Notre Dame's got some really good running backs. Like that was was definitely part of it. If if Notre Dame didn't have the stable of running backs that they did, I don't think the numbers would have looked as good as they did because of some of the miscues that were happening up front. But the bottom line is Notre Dame top to bottom one through five has one of the best running back rooms in the country. And they were able to make some guys miss. They were able to run over some guys. They were able to take into account some of these guys that were not blocked or were left unblocked or whatever the case may be. They did it on their own and were able to churn out some yards because of it. Right. And so, you know, Notre Dame's backs picked them up that's not always going to be the case against better defenses, right? I mean, right. as good as these backs are, 
they're not going to be able to break some of the tackles that they were able to break in this game. They're not going to be able to spin out of some of these things sure. that they were able to spin out of, yeah. you know, that kind of a thing. Well, like like that 50-yard run by Aldrich Estime. Yeah. Like that like that the, the duo the duo production was really interesting Vince cuz um, if you have not if you're not a member though at message board, I'm telling you guys, you are so missing out on what we have. Actually, you know what Vince? I'm actually going to pull this up here real quick. Nice. And I'm just going to give y'all just a little taste. You're just, not even just a little, little taste. taste, but like this is the kind of breakdown mm-hmm. that we're that we that we've got going on at Irish Breakdown right now on the message board. If you're a member of the message board, so you got this this statistical breakdown here. You've got some some plays. You've got some graphics. You've got some t- statistics of all of that. When you get into the run game stuff, Vince, I actually have some plays, some all twenty two plays. So this is the kind of stuff that you know, I'm not going to scroll all the way down because since somebody's gonna be like, I'm just going to pause that sucker and. <laughs> and then read it and then go from there. So, uh, but you just really dive into the numbers. And then when you dive into uh, the, the, you know, you kind of look at it, Vince, from like the running backs, the, the duo plays, the one I was getting ready to talk about. And okay. the on duo, Notre Dame had 48 yards on three carries. I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty good, right? But it's like, that's why I always say sometimes statistics can be, this deceiving they can be very deceiving because when you actually break down the run game you say hey three for 48 is pretty good right well you had three carries two of them went for minus one so very inefficient and even on the 50 yard run audrick estimate got hit like three four yards down the field he just ran over like three guys does that happen against ohio state does he run them over that way I, i don't think it does right i mean does that happen against even USC or or Duke or Cle- I don't think it does right. You were able to get away with them being really bad, and so to me, uh, I those are the type of things I'm talking about where the numbers look great, but that was just Audric was way better than the dudes they went against. You've got to give him more room. And I saw a statistic the other day, uh, Pro Football Focus, I believe, has Audric leading the nation in like missed tackles force. But my whole thing is. Uh, he shouldn't have be having to make that many guys miss tackles that close to the line of scrimmage. That's my issue, right? Where I need to see a little bit of that get cleaned up here moving forward. Because if we're talking about projection, they're not going to be able to get away with some of those things the same way they do against other teams. But when you look at the, the play of the running backs fence, I mean, I, I'm counting it up here and I haven't counted this. This is a pro football focus number, but Notre Dame starting or, or f- group of four running backs that are currently healthy have already forced, see, uh, 26 missed tackles in two wow. games. Audric wow. has 16 of them. And and so it's like, man, you know, that's a that's a really, really impressive number. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, well, that and, tells you how good these kids are. You right. Know what I mean? yeah. But you're not going to be able to just rely on that week after week after week. You got to block it up a little bit better. I chalk it up to early in the season, getting together as a unit. That stuff's, it's not overly surprising, but it does need to get cleaned up. And that's something we all saw on Saturday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. If you're looking for last-minute tickets to this weekend's big matchup between Notre Dame and NC State, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Let's talk pass game, Vince. Okay. Notre Dame pass game. Yeah. An interesting part of what we saw on Saturday was one of the concerns I had coming out of the game was Notre Dame's just unwillingness to take deep shots. And I, and I saw a few times during the game where it was very clear that they were playing. They were playing deep on some of those routes. But when you really break the film down and look at the All-22, it was very clear that that Tennessee State's game plan was built around what they saw on film last year, Wake Forest sure. and Notre Dame, not sure. what they saw against Navy, as I mentioned earlier. And and there were times where, all, where Tobias Merriweather's running a post route, and he's running fast, but he never is able to eat up the cushion of the defender because they were just bailing. I mean, they were just bailing. And Notre Dame ran a couple times, and this is where, you know, I thought the pass pro overall was good if you just break it down statistically, but I thought it had some really bad misses in the pass game. And and um, it, it created some missed opportunities in the game. And that's something that I look at, I'm like, man, they, they've got to they've got to do a better job of, of, of protecting those plays because when you when you break it down, Vince, it's like they had a couple really big opportunities in the pass game to rip off big plays and they weren't able to do so because of, of protection, not being good enough. And it was always like one guy, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was a tight end turning a guy loose a couple times. It was a, an offensive lineman turning a guy loose, you know, a couple times, but it, it created some missed opportunities combined with the way that they played. So I'm going to pull this up here real quick and give a couple examples, Vince, of what we saw from Tennessee state. This is one example. So this is this is a uh, the crossing route that Jaden Thomas caught and it went for a 20-plus yard game. 
this is you look at the way that this this route opened up. So this is Jaden Thomas right here. This is Tobias Merriweather. This is Chris Tyree. They're running vertical routes. Tobias was in the uh, was coming from the outside. He's running a post route. There are three guys running with Tobias. They are he actually beat this guy pretty good off the line. But this safety was there. He was there to spine him the whole time. There were several times where Tobias ran in cuts from the slot, and as soon as he planted, the safety was driving in front of him like they kind of knew what those route those routes were coming, and they had it schemed pretty well. But they were keeping everything in front of them. Well, when you have that much focus on playing deep, what happens? You're going to leave parts of the field wide open. And what we saw on Saturday events against Tennessee State is the middle of the field, the intermediate zones was open all right. game long. And, and I Hartman did my took st- advantage. Yeah. Yes. So in one half, Sam Hartman in one half of football in that short to intermediate zone, in the intermediate zone, which is 11 to 9, he only attempted one pass beyond 20 yards. And that was the throw to Chris Tyree on a corner route. He had a couple that were close to 20, like the wheel route to Mitchell Evans that was missed. That was like at like 19. So, but that was that was intermediate. But on this on the intermediate zone, 11 to 19 yards past line of scrimmage, he was five for seven for 96 yards. And on short routes of zero to nine, he was five of six for 53 yards. So 10 of 13 under 20 for 149 yards in the game in one half of football one half of football because Tennessee state was given that to him. So like the seam route was there, the in cuts were there, which he hit multiple times. The crossing routes were there. Uh, they hit another 20 yard. They had a cross. I think it was Angeli hit a crossing route to Rico Flores. that went for 20 yards again, where they were just bailing underneath and, and uh, taking a, you know, getting to it. But there was also some missed opportunities in the past game, Vince. And, and here's a couple examples. So here's a, a particular play where I believe it was a tight end gave up a pressure. So you can see the quarterback scrambling back here, but look at all this room that Rico Flores is about to have this court. He ran a deep in cut. This corner was playing way off. Rico broke it nicely. And he's got this zone. This is Sam Hartman. If he gets more time to throw this balls out and he's coming here, but he got pressured, pressured pretty quickly. That was an example. Here's another play where this is Sam Hartman scrambling. He ends up running on the play because of the pressure. A guard, this is one where Rocco, Rocco Spindler gave up a, a, an early pressure, just stopped his feet, guy beat him outside. This is Jaden Greathouse coming wide open. Look at all this room over here that he's got to work with. That's where Sam wanted to go to the football, but the pressure prevented it. So even though they didn't have a lot of pressures in the game, Vince, I thought the pressures they did have proved impactful because it prevented opportunities to get the ball down the field more. And a couple times we did see cover one. There was a play in the second half where Tobias was about four or five yards past the corner, but it was actually the, the touchdown pass to Jabron Payne, but Steve Angeli never got there. He he went to the check down really soon. Uh, but those were those type of things were there. But then, you, like I said, but look how deep they're playing, though, on all these routes, though, Vince. Well, that's this is key, Tobias yeah. Merriweather over 20 yards down the field on a post route, and, the, and he still hasn't gotten to the corner because right. the corner never let him eat his cushion. Now, what I, what I think what I would like to see – and, and what I think we'll see in future games where teams do that is there are things you can do off of that that Notre Dame would have done in a more competitive game. So if they're going to play over top of you that hard on a post route, you beat them with other things. So what did when and Notre Dame did go back to it to a degree, Vince, and that's why that post out concept was so effective. Matter of fact, I'm actually going to bring that play up now and, and show you the show you the cut of that one, Vince. Uh, it was the Chris Tyree touchdown. Okay. So um, scissors. Yeah. So this is. 
this is uh this is that play right here actually like pre-snap so you can see that tennessee state safeties weren't playing super deep let me pull this up here real quick you can see the safeties weren't playing very deep on this particular play pre-snap okay but the corner was look how far off the corner's playing cool. here this is against Deion colsey 12 yards so at the snap of the ball this guy right here uh let me this guy right here right there that guy right there and that guy right there both just took off deep on the Deion Colsey post route, which put this guy right here in a one-on-one against Chris Tyree, and he had no chance. <laughs> and so that's that was a counter. They also ran this later in the game uh, to Jaden Greathouse and had another 20-plus yard gain on it. And so they did have some answers for them playing so deep, but there's other things they could have done if they needed to, if it was a sure. more competitive game, like post corners. They could have done that where, hey, look, I'm going to break to the post and you're going to try to jump over top, but then I'm going to break off on some kind of out or some kind of post corner route and, and get that thing outside. So that they had some answers they could have gone to. The deep end cut, they did go to that later to Jaden Thomas uh, for a big play. You saw Rico Flores running it. Those things were coming wide open because of how Tennessee State was playing. They just didn't necessarily have a need to go to that a bunch of times. And so they were able to rip off some good chunks from that. But they basically – they said, hey, look, we're, we're not going to let you run on us. It, they still did. And and we're, we're at least going to make you work a little harder to run on us, which I think they they accomplished. I mean, they had six tackles for loss against yeah. the first-team offensive oh, yeah. line. Yeah. You know, they had some negatives and short runs, but then their team was able to still rip off some big plays because they were just way better. And they're like, we're not going to let you throw the ball down the field on us. And Navy had a similar game plan you know, with their pressures. And so Notre Dame said, fine, we won't throw the ball down the field on you, but we're going to complete 82% of our passes through the first two games. They're starting quarterback because they're just going to leave the middle of the field op- open and Sam Hartman went after it. And, you know, so far, if I could describe what Notre Dame has been through two games, a physical take what they're going to give me team. And they're, it's allowed them to be super efficient M- moving forward. We'll have some things that we'd like to see, but that's what we saw, Vince. When you when you break down the film, you see just Tennessee State constantly just bailing, just bailing hard. Well, and that yeah. took away. So it's like people say, well, you know, take some deep shots, but but why? If they're going to leave a part of the field open, go there. Don't force something just to just to force something, right? So I I wasn't as much. There's a couple times maybe they could have taken a shot, but overall, it's like, look, they're going to take that away by playing ten. I mean. Vince, this is basically – I'm going to pull this up again. This is basically outside the red zone. I mean, you've got the cushion. This is outside – this is just four yards outside the red zone. And that corner is playing like they're at their own 20, and he wants to make sure they don't beat him for an 80-yard touchdown. And he's he's 10 yards off the ball at the snap, right? They're just like, nah, you're not going to run by us. Sorry, not happening. And that's what Tennessee State's game plan was. Well, and wouldn't you say the drive right before the half, right? The 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 six for six, 80 yards, et cetera, et cetera. Almost every one of those passes was an intermediate pass because Tennessee State was just bailing. And then I realized right. it was an end of half. And you kind of situation. expect that in an end of half. That's, that's what I'm saying. Right. But that's kind of indicative of what they were doing defensively. Right. They didn't really change. They a whole didn't lot change a ton. And Correct. Exactly. They Correct. didn't change. And so when they needed to go 80 yards in less than a minute, yeah. They picked on the intermediate right. and just went boom, 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 boom. Right. right down they the just field. Up, they just increased the tempo. Exactly. I mean, the stuff that was there, the whole game was there. Like the play I right. showed earlier, where they were playing deep, uh, three guys on Tobias Merriweather and Jaden Thomas is coming wide open. Like you'd expect that with like at your own twenty-five with right. fifty seconds left. Oh, you want to catch a crossing route and we'll tackle you in bounds for 15, 20 yards. All right, cool. But that was middle of the third, second quarter. 
mean, that that wasn't exactly like a a two-minute situation. And that's just what they were given, and Notre Dame took it. So, yeah, I'd like to see some deep balls. I mean, that's what made Sam Hartman so good. He's only thrown like four balls beyond 20 yards so far in two games. But it's not there, and they're just ripping them up. That's made them an incredibly efficient offense through the first two games. Now there's some things we want to see uh, that we'll talk about. But, I mean, that's my takeaway. So not an overly clean game up front, Vince, was my big thing. That that was my biggest takeaway. It was was a really really unclean – performance by the line they were physical but this was not the group we saw a week ago and and that's kind of where i felt like maybe there was a little bit of a of a navy hangover with them because they put so much into just handling all the stuff the navy was going to throw at them and and the other thing too is sometimes coaches say things like you know they did some stuff on film that we weren't prepared for and i get kind of tired of that marcus freeman said that today but when you, when Ryan and I were breaking the film down last week, they said, hey, look, this is not a real heavy pressure team. They just kind of line up and do what they did. They, we didn't think they were actually going to still do that against Notre Dame, but that's what they had shown on film. That's not what they showed against Notre Dame. They were a much more aggressive team, and I think that created some man, two negative. Two of the six negative runs came on the first drive. They had another one on the second drive. Right, so you had half of your negatives in the, in the three quarters with your first team O-line came on the first two drives because, again, they were bringing some – second level pressure, some third level pressures, you know, doing some stunts, things that they didn't really do a whole lot of because they knew they needed to in order to try to create some negatives against Notre Dame. They're going to have any chance to stop Notre Dame. So, you know, kudos to them for doing that. But I thought Notre Dame adjusted pretty well. And after about the second series, they just cleaned a lot of that stuff up. Yeah. And, and I mean, much better. we, I don't want to say I anticipated them making mistakes, I, I, but at the same time, if you, if you gave me the option of how, the mistakes were going to be made, right? If there, there's some technical stuff, but they were still aggressive or the technical stuff was there, but they were just stalemating or, you know, and not being aggressive. Obviously mm-hmm. I'm going to take what we saw. I mean, you, it's very difficult to create aggressiveness. You can correct steps and you can correct some fundamental stuff. Like that's all correctable in film and on the practice field. And I think that's going to get corrected. I'm not overly worried about it. I was just a little disappointed is the best way yeah. to put it. Like one of the things Marcus Freeman said in, in one of the, the videos that has come out, you know, since the game was that, Hey, show these guys respect by playing at your best, like right. playing as hard as you can. They played hard, but they didn't play as crisply and as cleanly as I would have liked them to play from the get go. Yeah. Was it a little hangover? Yeah. Probably. Okay. But you know what? Knowing you're in, playing an inferior opponent, all that stuff. But you yeah, got I me. Mean, that's there. You, 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 we think that's what it was. We don't know that. It could just be they're just not sharp yet. Yeah. I mean, so absolutely. So that's what the and we'll, and we'll get to some of that here moving forward. Let's talk about the defense, Vince. I actually felt kind of making notes after the as I was breaking the film down. You're like, no, we kind of covered a lot of this, right? You got to tackle better. You know what I mean? Like you've got to do a better job there. I, I thought that the game plan. I'll say this, Vince, and I'll turn it to you because I want to get your response to this. I thought the game plan was better after watching it than I thought it was live. It was not as unsound as I thought. You could tell there were certain plays where guys were just not doing what they're supposed to do. And then you heard Marcus Freeman talk about that again today, right? Like, because this is one of those rare upon further reviews where we have the benefit of listening to the head coach talk about it. And so, when you hear him talk about it, yeah, okay, that backs up what we saw, what I thought I saw, which is like, why are they turning that gap loose? That's like Al Golden, it, it, he brings up, brought a lot of pressures, but in what we learned from last year, some of the pressures they brought 
like the safety pressures, I didn't like those. But when they bring second-level pressures, they're very sound. They don't just turn gaps loose. They they're very gaps. sound. Yeah. Right. And we saw a few pressures on Saturday that were not sound, which led me to believe somebody didn't know what they were supposed to do. Now, I don't always know who that is, so that's why we didn't necessarily call out individual players from it. But it was obvious that somebody didn't do what they needed to do on those. And, and But I still thought, I still thought, Vince, that he got too cute in the game. And they were just trying to heat Tennessee State up really for no reason other than just we're trying to heat them up. And I thought this is a perfect game to kind of let your young defensive line, a group that hasn't played a ton of football, at least not in the roles that they're in now, this is a chance to kind of really turn them loose a little bit against an inferior opponent, see what they could do. And early on, they weren't doing that. They were using them to hold up blocks and let the linebacker run-throughs happen. And that allowed Tennessee State to get a little bit of movement in the run game early on. They eventually got went away from it a little bit. And when they did turn the D-line loose, they were pretty flipping good. Right. I just I, That was my biggest takeaway, Vince, on top of what we already talked about. So I mean, look, if you didn't listen Saturday night, we talked about the missed tackles and stuff like that. That was right. you know the penalties that extended drives. I mean, the, the, if, if Thomas Harper times up that breakup play a little bit better, they're three and out on the first drive. I mean, on a third and eight, he 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 would have broken up. He just got there too soon. Like you, you that's the stuff you work out. This was really Thomas Harper's first real game playing nickel. I mean, he he was playing like safety in the first game in the fourth quarter against Navy's second team offense. You know what I mean? Like this was his first game in the nickel, and he had a couple early mistakes, but then I thought he settled in and played really well. Uh, I thought he was pretty good actually. Um, when when you look at kind of what he did, so overall, I, I if. The defense and offense had very similar issues, Vince. It was just some sloppiness. There's too many missed assignments. Just, And I thought the defense more so than the offense did have a little bit of Navy hangover because they were so locked into what Navy was doing. And they just – they weren't quite as much of that against against uh, and, yeah. Tennessee State. And and that's why I'm happy it was the opponent that they had, right? I mean, it, it – say what you want to, but that, that's why I was happy it was Tennessee State, okay? Um I, you know, talking about the game plan, I would have liked to see more defensive line, like some stunts and some some things of that nature, as opposed to eat up your space, bring linebackers. Like that, that's what I think you're talking about being too cute. It was too cute from a couple of different levels. Like let let let's use to Notre Dame's advantage the speed and athleticism of Notre Dame's defensive line, because I think that's somewhere where they can be really, really good especially against other teams, not named Tennessee state. I still think that's some place where they can take advantage because they're not the biggest defensive line in the world, but they are fast and athletic. Let's use some of that and let's not necessarily trigger the linebackers and some things like that. I, that's what I would have liked to see personally. Yeah, I, I don't mind triggering your linebackers. I just thought they did a little bit too much of it early right. on. Right. Like right. it's like you're, you're right. just kind of doing it to do it. And it's like, yeah, it hit home a lot of times and you forced a lot of disruptions. And then, of course, as we talked about Saturday night, there was a lot of contain issues. You know, you obviously, they, they got to do a better job with the contain stuff. That's all still there. Marcus Freeman also talked about that. So he kind of validated what we said on Saturday night, which is you know guys running by and not, not having the right contain and those type of things. So those are all aspects that got to get cleaned up. And, and, and really, this was the first game for the defense against your traditional opponent. So some of the right. stuff that you would have maybe done in week one, week, you know, game one, you weren't really getting it, getting out of in game one because it's such a unique opponent. Now they just got to clean that stuff up. But I, I still want to see them turn the line loose a little bit more. And then have the – because here's the thing, like 
when they were bringing the linebackers a couple times when they did lose contain, they'd have Maris at the line of scrimmage, and now Maris has to pursue out from the line of scrimmage as opposed to pursuing downhill. Let him run downhill against a, a quarterback that's moving because if if he's doing that way and he's a step late, that quarterback's got him beat. And, and yeah, the quarterback they had at Tennessee State wasn't good enough to hurt Notre Dame, but Brendan Armstrong will be. Riley Leonard will be. Caleb Williams definitely will be. Cal McCord will be. I mean, there's a lot of dudes on the on the schedule moving. I mean, we already know that Jake Plum, Jack Plummer can do it because he did it to Notre Dame last year when he was at Cal. So when he plays against him for Louisville, so those things to me all need to get cleaned up, Vince, and 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 have to, you know, like look, it's okay to just trust your guys, right? And I know you're in year two and you can do more stuff, but it's okay to sometimes just like let's trust our guys and let them go make plays and, instead of always trying to scheme our way to success. And I think if you do that, then when you do scheme things up, it creates now you're going to create even more big plays with your run game because that's the thing that for as much as they blitzed on Saturday and as inferior of opponent as they played, I mean, call me crazy, but I just kind of felt like there should have been a little bit more negative production in the game, right? And when you look at Notre Dame's production on Saturday at the end of the game, they had five tackles for loss and one sack. Not even close to where I thought they would be. Against a team that the year before was one of the worst teams in college football from a giving up tackles for loss and sack yeah. standpoint. That's not yeah. good. Yeah. So uh, that was my concern. Like, so again, people say, oh, guys are being negative, whatever. I don't care. They gave up only 156 yards against one of the worst offenses at the FCS level last year. Right. Right. Notre Dame just showing up should hold them to that kind of production. Right. We didn't see dominance. We just saw a group of guys who were way better than the team. That's what I we didn't see the see. kind of dominance yeah. that, that I expected to see. And part of it is because he didn't let a lot of those guys be dominant. Right. And, and that's, you know, let that was get some, after it, man, let pin your ears yeah. back and go like that. That's what I wanted to see. I want, that's a really good point. And it, dominance is what I wanted to see too. I think we had an over under on like sacks on the night and some things like that, that we were talking about. Um, in Ivy Nation Sports Talk, and it's like I, I took the over on whatever number we set it. I took the over. I was like, this D line is going to eat against this Tennessee State front, and and they're going to be passing a lot because they're going to be down and all these different things. And they ended up with one sack. Like that was that was disappointing to me. That yeah. was disappointing because I felt like it wasn't. They didn't play to their standard. I, 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 I still I still disagree with that being the takeaway, though, as far as the sack thing. I don't care about – I've said this before. Like, I would have much rather Howard Cross not gotten a sack on the play where he pressured the quarterback because if he gets a sack, they're not, they don't throw a 40-yard interception to Ramon Henderson. To me, it was the overall lack of total pressure numbers. And that's kind of my thing, Vince, is like I don't care as much about sacks. I care about constant disruptions. And, and, and to your point, that's what I had an issue with. There was – I think we agree on that. There was a lack of consistent pressure that you'd expect. And like, you know, that like there was a steady pressure, meaning like they just kind of got a good push, but there wasn't that, wow, that guy just whooped that guy exactly. the way exactly. that you'd expect. They, they flushed him a couple times and they, yeah. you know, more, more than a couple, they, they, right. they flushed him out. They did some things, but it wasn't enough. I want to see him flushed. I want to see him overwhelmed. Enough. Exactly. That's my thing. I want to exactly. see him overwhelmed where he steps aside from one guy and it gets hit by another guy. Right. Right. That that's good pressure. Correct. Not not one guy got a flush and the guy runs out and you lost contain and now he's free. Like and, right. It, he throws yeah, it away it just, or gets a completion or the, something along those yeah. lines. Yeah. The play of the defense to me was not as good 
as the numbers reflected to me. And I, and I don't think that they like, wow, they were more talented than we thought. I don't think that was my reason. That was not what I saw. And I just don't think Notre Dame necessarily, again, I just, I thought it was too scheme driven and not enough player driven for me because you can get to the scheme eventually Vince, but you still got to build your foundation of letting the players loose a little bit. And we didn't see that on Saturday. And that's a little bit of an issue that I had. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.